I'm Zach. And I'm Michelle. And this is A Couple Games Gaming Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about a couple games that we've played this week and games that have left our shelf and why. We're going to kick things off by talking about the games we played this past week. So, Michelle, what's the first game you want to talk about that we played? Well, I kind of thought it might be interesting to almost rank the games on how complex they are or maybe just even how long they are kind of go through the games we played this week but through a lens of which ones we thought were the lightest versus which ones we thought were the more complex okay so do you think we should start on the lighter end we'll start on the lighter end and go towards the heavier end so what is the lightest game you think we played this week i'm thinking it's between the Disney Jungle Cruise game that we recently got and also Sagrada, I don't know or Agricola, it's kind of tough okay, hold on, let me think about it I'm going to go with the lightest game was Disney Jungle Cruise hands down, Disney Jungle Cruise lightest game it's a roll and move game, so think like Monopoly, Clue, you roll the dice you move that many spaces yes, and we were really excited because we won this game and we we kind of had a little bit higher expectations for it, but we also had read about it, and we, we knew other people's opinion on it, so we, we knew it wasn't as deep of a game, and that it was geared more for kids and families, and it's so thematic that I think that part kind of outweighs the actual play, just because the theme is so much fun, and it's a popular theme, it's a ride at Disney World, think it's even gonna be a movie yeah i think it was i think it was supposed to come out this year but it might have gotten pushed because of the pandemic and everything and like michelle says it's light it's the theme is there the components of this game are really good but all in all you pretty much just each have a boat and you have people on your boat that you're trying to keep alive or keep from falling off your boat but you really have no control over how many people you're going to lose because you're rolling a dice. Right, right. On your turn, you can kind of rearrange the people on your boat, but there's only three spots that are safe, and they're not even safe all the time. Yeah, and there's 16 total spaces, so most of your spaces are in danger, and then you roll a dice, you draw some cards, and almost all the cards are something negative. There are a few in there that help you save a person, or might help you pick up a lost and found item that could also be in your boat, too, to where you wouldn't lose a person. You would just lose an item. But those were hard to come by. Yeah. It's kind of a race game where you're trying to get to the end of the line fastest. But there's also this deduction element where you're going around the map and you can detour to check which family is going to or get a clue as to which family is going to be more, worth more points at the end. So, but by families, he kind of means that the passengers, every person on your boat is part of a different family and they have a little symbol on the tile that represents each person. And so some of those end up being worth more at the end of the game. And you can do these little detours if you want to try and narrow down which one would be worth the most points. But those detours were so long and out of the way. Right. Because you have to stop where the clue is and there's also multiple spaces in you're just you're taking more turns to do that so you're falling behind in the race and you're also 
every turn is you're drawing bad cards. Where you're losing people. Right. So it's sometimes there was one point where we, we were both down to like two or three passengers left on our boat. And we didn't yeah. know if either one of us were going to make it to the end. And the max amount of spaces you can move each time is only four. It's the highest number on the dice. So you're not moving along very quickly. Right. And even if you are rolling fours, the number you roll on the dice is how many bad cards trigger against you. So if you're rolling high, you're going to have more bad cards go off on you. You're going to lose more people. Yeah. And I didn't like how there, there wasn't like multiple strategies to get the most points. Sure, there's detours and things like that, but I went for... I didn't really care about the passengers. I was like, I'm just going to collect items and see how that plays out. And it didn't play out very well because items are inherently lower unless you collect a set of them. And all my extra items just kept falling off the boat. So I ended up winning because I had more people left. And I think I had one of the ones that was worth more points. At least a few. Right. I had two, I think. But... but that was just luck, too. Yeah. Because I only went to go on those little detours like one time. Yeah. So, but yeah, Disney Jungle Cruise is what we kind of think of as our lightest game this week. Least amount of opportunity to really think and make a plan. And we ended up deciding to sell it. So, we'll yeah. kind of lead into that, kind of leads into our. Yeah, that leads into our topic. But we, let's, we'll finish the recent plays and then we'll get into our topic. It kind of gave us the idea, though. Yeah. So, the next one I was thinking is Agricola Family. Yeah. Or do you disagree? You could maybe go with... I, w- I was going to say Sagrada. I'm going to say Sagrada is the next, in my opinion. And yeah, there are, there are less things going on. There's less things going on. What, what you're trying to do in Sagrada, Michelle... It was in Michelle's top ten. Right. So, so, you're building a stained glass window, colors and numbers... Can't have the same color next to each other. Can't have the same number next to each other. Yeah. And so, uh, so would you say that Agricola Family Edition would be the next one? I would say yes. Because I know you're thinking about... I think we're thinking... I think we're both thinking about another one that could be there, but I'm good with going Agricola Family Edition. I would say this one's less complex... It's a little bit more straightforward than... So, what is Agricola Family Edition? Let's start start with that. So, this is a worker placement game, and it is a more friendly edition of the original game Agricola. So, we have the family version, because this is a lighter version of the original game. There are workers that you place, you take an action... And you have opportunity to feed your workers, so you're trying to get food. But then you're also building your farmland, so you have to decide if you're going to have the pigs or the sheep or the cattle or if you're going to have all three of them. Or you might specialize and just have one type of animal because every type of animal has to have its own field. They can't mix fields. So you're basically trying to build your farmland. Yeah, Um, and this was one... I I just bought it because it was on sale one day, and I brought, you know, it came in the mail, and Michelle looked at it, and she opened it up, and you punched it out, like, and you never punch out games. I know. It's probably the first one I ever did that with. Yeah. It looked really cool. It had, I mean, I really liked the sheep, 
and the cattle and the pigs. Like yeah, the, the little meeples. All the little meeples are really cute. Even the your worker people, I like. I like those little farmers. They're like mega sized meeples, kind of. Yeah, and it was interesting because in this one, I like like we've been talking about. You're you're a farmer, and you're trying to either grow crops, raise animals, or do some combination of the two to get the most points at the end of the game. I went with a crop strategy this time. Like, I I had a bunch of fields where I was growing some wheat, and then... I was focused more on the animals. Yeah, and it was really close. It came down to one point. Yeah. And so... It almost reminds me of a board game version of, like, Farmville. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's neat because you get to pick where, where your fields are going and where your buildings are going and things like that so but that's agricola family edition so the next one that i would say for kind of going up the ladder in complexity is azul summer i would agree azul summer would definitely be the next one on my list it's we talked about it we talked about last week yeah because we've played this one two weeks in a row i think we've played it two or three times now Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the spinoff of regular azul it's just got a few more extra elements in it, uses different color patterns, so. Yeah, and we just discovered that there is a flip side to the board where in the regular edition, there's a pattern that you kind of follow. It tells you where to put the colors, but on the flip side, you get to make your own patterns within certain rules, but it's a little bit more free, a little bit more open. But that's Azul Summer Pavilion. It's a very pretty game. Right, and I think we went into more of the details on it last week, so we won't repeat ourselves. Yeah. The next one... What do you think? I think the next one is Paris, City of Lights. Yeah, I could agree with that. I think... So Paris is a new game that we just got this week, and we've already played it four times. So this game is not a lengthy game. It's probably it's about 30 minutes I would say but it has some really challenging puzzly type elements to it because it's played in two different phases and as you're in phase one you have to constantly be thinking about phase two as well because they you could definitely dig yourself into a hole if you don't think about each phase yeah well in phase one you're literally laying the groundwork you're putting out the pattern of the streets of Paris where it's going to enable you to build buildings because you can only build on your color and there's a neutral color. Right. And you're, um, it's blue and orange are the two colors. So I've always been orange since we've played. And so you're trying to connect your orange pieces that are on these tiles. They're like color coded in a certain way to where when it's your turn to pick a building that it will hopefully match and you can overlay your building on the specific color pattern that you've kind of pre-planned. Yeah. But your opponent can mess that up if they place a tile in a different way. And you also have to consider these light posts too because that's how you get more points at the end of the game. These little tiles, and there's 16 of them. Each player starts off with eight that they will lay. And within each tile, it's a square. Imagine another set of four squares, and they're all the different colors like whether they're blue orange the neutral color which is purple or they're a light post so there's different things to consider with how you position the tiles as you're also trying to take buildings, buildings. 
So that's all phase one, like you have all that going on. And then phase two comes around and you have these eight action cards that are around the box and you can either take an action, which they're all kind of helper, helper mm-hmm. situ- they, they they're like helper cards yeah. for other, other games. Or you place a building. So that's really... It's really all there is to it. Uh, the The more complex thing is the choice, do I, do I lay this tile down or do I take that building? Because if, if Michelle lays this tile where I want to lay it, then it's going to mess up my whole plan and I shouldn't have even taken that building. Or is she going to take the building I want? Is she going to take the action card I want? You're pretty much always in each other's way because it's really small. Like the whole game is is one of our smallest games. Yeah, and the board is in the box. Yeah, which is another really cool element. So we've played this one a lot, and I it's like makes me want to play again. Just talking about it, even though I've lost every single time. Yep, four zero. But I've gotten closer. You're really good at this one. I feel like I'm better at Azul Summer. Yeah, well, I don't think I've won a game of Azul Summer, have I? No. But. But Paris, Paris is faster, so I think, too, with time, it's crazy how fast this game is, but how complex the thinking... How thinky it is. Yes, this is a very, like, challenging, get-your-brain thinking. Like, you feel smarter after you play it. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> so, I really, really, really like Paris. And this is yeah. a new game, as far as how long it's been out, too. It came out in 2019, yeah. and I saw it on Instagram a couple weeks ago, and you looked it up on several different places. Yeah, well, you asked, you said, yeah, it's Paris. And I look, and there's several games that had the Paris in the title, but none of them were the cover she showed me. And then I saw the little subtitle as Paris, La Cité de Lumière. Lumière, yeah. Yeah. So, Paris City of Lights. But it's, it's on, we found it, we ordered it off Amazon. And so, and it got, it took two weeks to get here, but got here and we really like it it's really pretty really thinky and it's a lot of fun yeah but which one do you think would come next in terms of it's tough i'm gonna say marvel champions okay because and the reason i put it as more complex than paris is because there's a lot of text on the cards not a lot a lot but there's you have to read the cards in Paris, there's it's pretty language independent. Like, I don't think there's any reading besides the rule book. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just the rule book. So as long as you have oh, and the rule book is really pretty too. Yeah. It's like a little newspaper. Yeah, it look yeah, it looks like a newspaper. That's cool. But so Marvel Champions is I've talked about before. You're a superhero. Um, the you you can switch to your alter ego side, so you can be Peter Parker, or you can flip back to Spider Man. But the reason you would want to do that is maybe you have to heal up because you can lose the game if your health drops to zero. And how that's going to happen is the bad guys are going to attack you. So if you're in Peter Parker mode, then they can't attack you. But they also have this scheme that they are trying to pull off. And if you're in Peter Parker mode, they're going to work on their scheme. And so it's a balance of am I going to take the hit or am I going to let the timer tick down? And so you're trying to keep thread off the scheme. You're trying to knock the villain out. The cards you play, they each have a cost. And the way you pay the cost is you discard other cards from your hand. So if I have a card that costs two to play, I have to discard two other cards to play it. And, I mean, that's pretty much it. Each villain feels different. Each superhero feels different. And you can play each superhero in different ways as, like, aggressive or 
uh, defensive or threat management, things like that. But that's Marvel Champions. Michelle, how do you feel about it? No clue. (laughs) Never played it. Not a huge desire to play it. So I don't really have much input besides you play this solo all the time. Yeah. it's Every week. It's a really quick one, too, to break out. Like, if you if if I didn't have to put the villain together because you have because the villains are different they kind of share cards too you have to put them together each time but if I just had one stacked together I could throw out a game in like less than five minutes but but that's Marvel Champions so what's the next one so this one I'm really torn between I know it's Viticulture and Tapestry mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. The viticulture. I would agree with you. I would say viticulture is a little less complex than tapestry. Yes. Yeah. They're both such awesome games. And so we'll kind of, I guess we'll talk about viticulture first. Yeah. We played this one last Sunday as a, almost like a date night game because it was our anniversary. Yep. So, which, this is a great little date night game. I don't know. That's up your alley if you like drinking wine because that's what it's about. And you are trying to plant your grapes trying to harvest your grapes making your wine and then you're trying to age that wine as well Mm -hmm. so that you have higher quality and so that it's worth more whenever you sell it to get those victory points we when was the first time we played viticulture oh gosh how many years it was at least three i would say and we first played it with our friends matt and sarah because matt got it and we played it, and I remember while we were playing it, I was like, I have no clue if I'm playing this optimally, you know? Like, I was like, placing the worker to take this action because I want to do this. So it was I can probably the first worker placement game I ever played. Yeah, same. I mean, you too? Mm-hmm, I think. I, would have to I didn't know what I was look. doing, and I didn't really know if I even liked it at all. And I feel like we kind of went a little bit before we played it again. And it's definitely a game that it grew on me like it every time I played it I like wanted to play it again it got better and better but the first time I wasn't a huge fan of it but I think that's just because I didn't really know what was going on yeah and we I I think like a little bit after we played it maybe might have been a year we borrowed it from Matt and Sarah when we went on vacation to the beach and we played it there a couple nights and then I found you you know you kind of gave me the green light to buy our own copy so I did that and then I found that there was an expansion to it called Tuscany and so I was like oh that's cool you know I didn't know that there was an expansion so we bought that and I you know it's hard for us to play it without the expansion would you agree oh yeah we if it's just us we're only gonna play using the expansion and we if we're gonna play with other people in person, which is rare these days, we would play with the expansion as well. It's just laid out in a way that's it's so much easier to follow, like with the four seasons, because you you go through the summer and the fall, the spring, and the winter. So you're right. going through each season, and that's kind of what's directing you to each step of making the wine. The Tuscany expansion too also has this whole map of Italy off to the side that you can do in addition to making the wine so there's just a lot more options 
got the Italian wine, Tuscan, whatever, vineyard side all over the board. So yeah, it looks it really nice. It has like Florence, uh, Pisa. Our favorite, Luca. Luca, yeah. So it has all the, and we've, we've been to most of those places as of two years ago. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Too yeah. bad we couldn't bring it and play in Italy. That would have been the dream. Yeah. Would have. Wouldn't know, have traveled well. Wouldn't have traveled well at all. But the cool thing about this too is, and the base game has this too, it has the wake up chart, which you get to, you basically get to pick, am I going to go early in the round? Am I going to get to go first? Or am I going to, you know, kind of sleep in, but I get bonuses for doing that. So my opponents get to go before me and they might block the actions I want, but these bonuses are really good. And so it's always... Would you say that's your favorite part of Viticulture? It it might be. It might be. It's that's a it's a tough one between that. That's probably my favorite part. Because there's that. no other game where you get to truly, every round, choose when you're going right. to go. That's, that's true. It's very unique and it's really well done. But the... Uh, structure cards in Tuscany too though that would I almost said that but the wake up chart's cooler but the structure cards is this whole deck of cards where each one's different you know and they they do different things they're extra buildings that you yeah, can extra put buildings. in your personal vineyard vineyard right so what would be your least favorite part of my least favorite part of viticulture is it can sometimes feel like each game that I play I'm playing the same strategy or a strategy that I've played before the Tuscany expansion kind of helps that but if I'm just playing the base game it's like well I got to get these I got these grapes I got to be build these buildings so I can plant them and then I have to either draw cards that go with the grapes that I got to sell that wine or yeah I was kind of thinking like sometimes in viticulture you the wine cards might not match the grapes you have so you it's like you have to get the wine cards before you decide what your vineyard's gonna be because I've dug myself into a huge hole before where I planted grapes first because I just didn't didn't want to waste the time well I thought I was wasting time trying to get the wine cards when it turned out like all my wine cards were Cabernet and Merlot but all the grapes I just planted were all white grapes like I can't remember which ones they were, but they were all white grapes. None of them would produce me any red wine, which really messed things up for me, that game. It's right. hard to, you can't switch them. Yeah, like, it's, it's to, hard to pivot the strategy. Well, you can, it's just, you got to go out of your way. Yeah. And there's some things in Tuscany that kind of help with that. They give you another venue to sell your wine at. They also, you can trade grapes mm-hmm. at that one little action. And so, and you were talking about how you got the grapes and planted them some uh, before you got the wine cards. Sometimes you get a bunch of grape cards before you get any wine cards. And then, so you're like, Oh, I'm going to plant these. Then you start drawing wine, you know, your orders that you have to fill. And you're like, I can't fill these. Like I got to use actions to do it. Either throw away those cards and you hope that you draw ones that match all your grapes because it does take a lot of work to plant them. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's my least favorite, least favorite part. But so many good things, obviously, I'll yeah. play that. Uh, it was, obviously, it was one in our top ten last week, so both of ours. Might have been the only crossover, wasn't it? That one in Dino Island. Ah, uh, Dino Island, yeah. 
So. so that leaves us with the most complex game that we played this week being Tapestry. Yes, Tapestry. And this one was in your top ten. And may I ask, how did it earn its spot there? Because it was not in mine. I do like the game. It's awesome. But... I think because it was one of the games that is definitely more complex that you bought that you convinced me to play pretty early on. Like, we, you got it and we played it pretty soon within you getting it is what I mean by that. Sometimes you'll buy a game and it takes like a year for you to convince me to play it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's Outer Rim still sitting on the shelf over there. Waiting. Exactly. So, <laughs> see, I don't know. Something kind of drew me in about Tapestry. I liked that it looked a little bit similar to Terraforming Mars just because of those hexagon tiles and placing them in the center and you're kind of conquering little lands. I liked that. Or you're building onto your land. And then I think it was, I think you told me about like the buildings in it and so that you're trying to build buildings on your own personal mat as well as the everybody's game board. Mm -hmm. So that might have been another reason. And then I really do like all the different options because in Tapestry, you're trying to work your way up four different civilization tracks. So you have the science, the technology, the military, and then the exploration track that you're trying to specialize in two to three of those. If you try and go for four, it won't end well for you. No, Well, you need- it might. Maybe, maybe somebody listening to this is awesome at it. Maybe they can get them all. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. But. Yeah. So... So what would be your favorite part? Would you say the the building part? Or Um, I would almost say that I like how it can be different every time. Like you can really play this game a lot and it never feels like the same old game. Like it's got so many different elements to it even with your individual ability. Yeah, so there's there's 16 civilizations that you can be in this game and they're all different and they all play different and there's also different what they call capital city mats where you're building your capital city where you're placing your buildings and it's it's like a neat little tetris game almost like how would you describe it like the way you place the buildings yeah a little bit because you have to be strategic in how you place them because you it earns you more resources if you place them in certain ways. So you're trying to think about how can I maximize the resources I will get for placing the buildings in my personal capital city. That's what you said it was called. Yeah. To kind of help benefit me later. That also earns you points whenever you tally up your points each round. Yeah. So it helps in multiple ways. I also like in this game how you get to count up your points for what you've done every round. Yeah. So it's like it builds on each other. Yeah. And there's not a lot of games that do that. No, there's, I mean, there's a lot of games where you don't do any scoring until the end. And then there's a lot of games where you're scoring each turn. And, you know, you know who's, you know who's going to win the game maybe a couple turns out it's really hard to know who's going to win this game though right there's so much going on and there's so many things that don't happen until the end that it's i never i mean i always feel like i'm probably gonna lose but sometimes i'll be way ahead of you and then you'll still like score like 40 points in the last round i'm like what the heck never mind i'm not doing as good as i thought yeah that's one thing I, i like about the game but it's one thing i don't like is 
So you just said, you know, you finished and you were 40 points ahead of me, but I still had turns to take. So Michelle might finish her game and I'll still have four or five more moves before I'm done. And then I'd be frustrated with it. Yeah, because she's just sitting there. She's not doing anything. She's just waiting for me to catch her on the, the point track. And so. And then realize that 40 points ahead is not enough. <laughs> well, sometimes. Yeah. So, tapestry, trying to think if there's any other like major things that we didn't mention. We never talked about the cards, like the tapestry cards oh, you yeah. have in front of you. So the the reason it's called tapestry is there are these tapestry cards and you're you're building the tapestry of your civilization, like your story. So like in this last one, I started as, you know, a diplomatic and then I went to militarism and then I went to I think age of discovery or something. But I can't remember any of mine. How do you remember <laughs> all of them? Because I, I remember, I was like, oh, I was like, I'm, I'm diplomatic, you know, everybody thinks I'm peaceful, and then I, bam, I strike them with the military, you know? <laughs> Mine had something to do with technology at some point, because I went up on the technology track. Mm-hmm. So, that's all I remember. Yeah. But it's just a really elegant game. I mean, both tapestry and viticulture just, like, feel like classy games. Yeah. Like, they, they have this, I don't know, almost, like, timeless feel about them. Yeah. I would... I wanted to ask you, so Tapestry, great game, like I said, but what puts it above, like, Orléans or or Scythe? Because you left those two off your list. Yeah, I think it's because Orléans still so new. And even though... I feel like Orléans more frustrating. <laughs> even though I lose both of them, I, I, I feel like I'm so close on Orléans, but it's just, like, things don't work out and I just get frustrated by it but in tapestry it's just not frustrating even though it may be because I don't know that I'm gonna you I guess you don't know your score early on though till the end no you have an idea like because you're yeah. you're getting goods and money and those there's are a cool. lot more confrontation in both side and early on you think so yeah you're like taking each other's spots on the little grids of early yeah I guess so you are battling each other and stealing stuff inside. You can conquer each other in tapestry, though. But it never seems to happen. Well, this last time it didn't happen because we both had those... Um, it was the civilizations that we had were very, like... You you couldn't get conquered. Yeah. Basically. By military, at least. So. Mm-hmm. Anything else for tapestry? No. I still really like it. I still... No, we just played it. I, don't I know, now talking about it, I want to play it. <laughs> I think that's why I don't ever super want to play Scythe. I would much rather play Tapestry over Scythe. I yeah. still like Scythe, but I definitely like Tapestry better. Yeah. It's a beautiful game, and it's a fun one. And we ranked it as the most complex. It's it's not that complex, though, would it's you say? It's a really long, tedious game. I wouldn't say it's long. I would say it takes an hour. It took us all day. Maybe an hour and a half. We had to leave it out. That's because we had nap time and he didn't take a good nap. Yeah. But but that was tapestry. So sit back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about games that have left our shelf. So now we're going to talk about games that have come into our collection 
and have left our collection for whatever reason. So we're going to talk about a few games, why they left, but I want to start by asking you, why would a game leave our collection? Well, because we started getting way too many board games and all the shovels were overflowing. So I feel like the first reasons you started getting rid of board games was because I was telling you to, or asking like, what are we going to do? We don't have any more room for this. And I also wasn't as into board games as I am now. So I think that's kind of when you started trading and selling and getting rid of some games. I also just think sometimes you, you've played a game enough to where you, you know, you would play it again if someone else had it or you had the opportunity, but you're not really going to seek it out to play it. Like we wouldn't seek it out to play it here. Right. So if you like a game, you just kind of answered it. I was going to ask if you like a game, why would you get rid of it? So what are some other reasons if you, you said you, if you played it enough to where it's a good game, but not good enough to stay on the shelf? Well, I kind of could just think of one game that we did get rid of called CD that we really, really liked whenever we first got it. And we got this one a while ago, like when we were still living in our apartment. So that had to be like five years ago or so. We just played it a lot we we played it with a few with several other people and then a couple years went by and it just sat on the shelf and never got played because other things that we had seemed better at the time so I think if that continues to happen it's just kind of a good sign of like I think this game has had its time with us it's not a bad game it's just not something that we are going to play together so why keep it yeah and CV's one where we had another game that it scratched a similar itch. And for just to backtrack, CV is a game where it's like, I always describe it as if the game of life and Yahtzee had a baby. You're rolling dice, Yahtzee style. So you roll the dice and you can keep, you get to pick what you want to keep. You get to pick what you want to re-roll up to a certain amount of times. And on these dice are symbols. And with those symbols, you buy life actions like you had a childhood pet or you got play your first job or something somewhere yeah. you were a, and they're pretty specific too like they would say something like first job athletic trainer or but then they would also have events too like you ran a marathon yeah or you won this hobbies contest so different things that are really similar to life but almost more more detailed yeah. so i felt like we liked the the way you kind of had to collect certain groups of cards and certain styles of cards would get you more points and it was the first time we really had played a game that did that yeah it was it was the game of life but not random spin and move correct you know so but then there's there was a game called pursuit of happiness that came out where it was a worker placement so you got to choose instead of rolling dice to see what you could buy you got to choose what you wanted to do. So I want to, I'm going to study more so I can get this job over here, right? I need more money so I can buy this car. So I'm going to go work a temporary job, things like that. Yeah. So I think it's kind of just, especially if you get another game where the theme is really similar, mm -hmm. but you like the play so much better, it's time to pick and choose. No need to have both because they they probably both won't get played. 
Right. I think Pursuit of Happiness scratched the itch that CV did, but I felt like it, I felt more fulfilled playing Pursuit of Happiness, so. Yeah. So, yeah, that was one of my questions. Are there any other games like that that scratch the same itch that we've gotten rid of? You can just keep saying that saying. Yeah, so like scratch <laughs> the same itch. You can't keep saying that. Um, I, the, the same one as Pursuit of Happiness in CV? No, or just, just we got rid of a game because we had a game that scratched the same itch. No, stop. <laughs> um, I mean, we have, so we have a lot of these dice placement type of games. We've talked about Sagrada. We have not talked about Role Player yet, but we have that one and we'll get to that eventually. So we used to have another game called Fantastic Factories that was similar in the dice placement, rolling dice. You need to have certain combinations of dice in, in, in Fantastic Factories to take certain actions. And we ended up getting rid of that one. We ended up getting rid of that one. We traded it for Orleans. But even before... Fantastic Factories, there was one game that had a similar mechanic where you rolled dice and you placed them on cards to do certain things to get you points. And that was Artifacts, Inc., which is one of the first... We got it, that one when we, when we were in the apartment as well. Yeah, we yeah that one was one we had really early on. I think we just it kind of... It's almost like you outgrow it sometimes or you just, you've played it so much and you kind of know the strategy you're going to do and you you don't really see another path but then other games you do so you're not going to pick yeah that game anymore and so i think that might be one reason why we got rid of artifacts inc well didn't you say you wanted to get rid of it not well it's so we you saw fantastic fantastic Factories. factories on facebook and you were like hey this game looks neat you know so I looked at it and I was like oh Michelle's interested in a game I'm gonna back it on Kickstarter you know so it and it took a while to come in but I got rid of Artifacts Inc because that was coming in and Artifacts Inc it's not a bad game but kind of like Michelle said we had explored it enough and every time we played it I felt like it kind of overstayed its welcome like about 15 20 minutes before the game was over I was like kind of kind of done with this and so I traded it away, Fantastic Factories came in, we played it once, and you were kind of like, meh on it. We played it a couple more times. Yeah, we did. I'm just saying, we played, I remember the first time we played it, you were like, kind of, you didn't. I was a little bit let down by it. I just didn't, it didn't kind of do what I thought it was going to do. I mean, there's really not a lot of, like, good reason why. I do think that some of the cards were too repetitive. You would I just see that. keep drawing the same card, yeah. like the exact same card, and you would finally get rid of it, and you draw the same card again. So I think there needs to be like less of certain cards in there. Like, imagine if you were playing, I don't know, Uno, and all you kept drawing were sevens over and over and over again, and you like couldn't get anything but sevens. Like, I felt like that would happen. Sometimes with the deck of cards in Fantastic Factories. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. But, like I said, if somebody said, hey, you want to play this? I'd play it. It's not long. It's like 45 minutes maybe. But there are other games I would want to play. But that was Fantastic Factories. 
one that comes to mind when I think of games that have similar theme and mechanics is Bang. The dice game or card game? Wait. Well, we had Bang, the card game. And we got it. It just showed up on our doorstep one night. And we were like, well, we accidentally ordered it through our Alexa. It wasn't laying up. But anyways, yeah, it, it... So wait, how are you saying that Bang is like Fantastic Factory? It's not. I'm saying Bang the Dice Game. Oh, you, kinda, like, you like jumped topics on me. Okay, no. okay. So yes, two other games that are similar are Bang the Dice and Bang the Card Game. Yes. yes. So we had Card Game, and then you're saying we got rid of it. Yes, that's true. Because the Dice version of Bang is much better. Yeah, it's a lot faster. They're both fun, but I felt like Bang, we would play it, and it's kind of that similar thing where. Wait, you wait, what, what is Bang about? We haven't oh, I'm even... sorry, we haven't even talked about it. So, Bang is, it's like a Western. So, you have, like, a sheriff, and he's got deputies. You got outlaws, and you have a renegade. The outlaws are trying, they win if they kill the sheriff. The sheriff wins if he kills all the outlaws. Yeah. And, and I think he has to kill the renegade, too. And the renegade wins if he's the last man standing. So, he has to gun down the outlaws before... The sheriff, the sheriff basically, dies. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like social deduction going on, trying to figure out who's who's on your team, team or or if you're all alone. If you're like the sheriff, kind of feel. I guess you do have a. You might have a deputy, depending on how many players there are. This is a really fun group party game. Yeah, and everybody knows who the sheriff is, so it's like everybody. If you're the sheriff, you have a big target on your back, but. Other people might be trying to help you covertly. Yes. So that is another one that is really fun. Bang the Dice game also travels a lot better. Yes, it's a tiny little game. So, so And it's faster, too. Yes. So we've, we actually played that when we went on vacation to Little Rock to visit some friends. And they ended up buying a copy, too. So. Yeah, and we played it a lot, too. Like yeah. We kept playing it again. Yeah, so that was Bang the Dice Game. So are there any others that you can think of where two games had similar themes so we got rid of one? Um, well, we've kind of hit on this before, but whenever we decided to get rid of Azul Stained Glass. Yeah. Because we have the other two Azuls that we just prefer. Not that stained glass is bad. It's just, it's our least likely to play if we had all three. So we just figured it wasn't worth having it on our shelf. I would still play if someone else had it, though. Yeah, but if somebody said, hey, do you want to play one of the Azul games? It would be my last choice. And then if somebody said, hey, do you want to play a game about stained glass windows? I'd say, yeah, let's play Sagrada. Yeah, so. Yeah. So we kind of got them fired. But so those are reasons that we might like a game and get rid of it. But are there any games that we've gotten rid of that you maybe regret? Hmm. I don't, not that I can think of right away. There's still games I would play with other people. Like sometimes 
sometimes I want to try villainous again. But then again, I had such a bad experience whenever we did play it, so I don't know. Yeah. So what is villainous, by the way? Villainous is the Disney game that is all about the villains in Disney movies. So you take on one of the villains and you are trying to execute their task. So I think the Ursula one, you're trying to get King Triton's trident trident, and do something with it. But I can't remember what you're supposed to do. But you're just, I know you're supposed to get the trident and do something. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's the Captain Hook. You're you're yeah. trying to get Peter Pan to come out and you have to beat him but he has to be on the Jolly Roger the ship so there's a lot of stipulations like you have to do this only in this situation right and it's hard to get there like your little mat in front of you is these locations and so you're trying to move your person to these locations but you also have cards then the other opponent can completely mess up your entire plan and block off certain locations from you so you can't even get there. Right. Well, you kind of get stuck sometimes. What happens is the heroes of the movies come out. Like, you know, if you're playing Jafar, then Aladdin will come out or Jasmine or somebody, you know. But it's actually a really popular and it was well-received game, but it just it fell flat with us. It, it was just kind of frustrating. Yeah. It wasn't like we had a fun time playing it. So that's one reason to get rid of a game. If you're not having fun playing it, then you probably don't need it. So I think that's one reason we decided it wasn't for us. I think I would give it another chance, though, and play if someone else had it and wanted to play. Yeah. If somebody else had it and they, they really wanted to play it, I'd play it. Sure. I'd, you know, it, we played it over a year ago. But are there any other games that frustrated you that we got rid of? Um, can I mean, I can't think of any at this moment. Uh, I know we had... What about that game? It was called Kokoro. That's probably why you can't remember the name. But it was where you're drawing the paths on the whiteboard, trying to connect different structures. It was a really, really short game. Yeah. We, tra- we, we planned to make it a travel game, but then we kind of didn't. Right. We... We ended up getting, we got that and Harvest Dice, and we were just like, we're just going to play Harvest Dice, so. Yeah, the Kokoro, you draw cards, and the cards give you a direction on what you have to draw on your board. You have a mini dry erase board and marker. Yeah, it's like a grid. Kind of like a maze that you're building. Yeah, and you have to fill in basically a square on this grid with the pathway that it gives you. But it's really difficult to plan because, again, your only actions are from drawing cards. So, to me, it felt like a luck game, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, you could have planned just super well on your grid to where maybe it wasn't as much of a luck game. But you were still very much dictated by whatever you drew. Yeah. So, you you could try to go for easier things, too. But at the same time, it's like you needed to reach the higher things. I think it had this weird scoring thing where if you didn't score more points than you scored in the previous round, you didn't score any points at all. And so... Hmm. But that one, I remember it kind of being frustrating too, so we got rid of it. One that frustrated me was 
and we got rid of was Forbidden Sky, which I was just really disappointed because I was looking forward to it because it's the it's the third game in the Forbidden trilogy. We've talked about Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert when we talked about kids games. And basically you you're on this sky platform and you're laying out tiles to kind of build the platform, but you have to build a circuit to launch a rocket. And the, all the components were really cool because the circuit you actually had to connect in a circuit like a circle to get this rocket to light up i feel like it's more of a science experiment kind of game or yeah it almost i don't know but then again there were so many things in this game too many mountains to overcome and never were you like throwing a bone for any help yeah it's like you're trying to connect your circuit but you're in the sky getting blown off by the wind or you're getting struck by lightning so it's just, and it's, it is a cooperative game, so you are working together, but sometimes that wasn't enough. Like, you would still, you would lose players, too. So you're working together, but then somebody dies, and you're like, great, well, now we lost them and their ability that was helpful. So it's like you're just climbing up a never-ending mountain. Yeah. That's... That gets steeper and steeper and steeper, and then starts throwing rocks at you. Yeah, I just hate it because in the other games, you can kind of prep for disaster. It's like, well, I'm running out of water in the desert so i'm gonna hide out in the tunnel i know i still have some actions left but this i, I gotta hide out in the tunnel so i don't die on one of you guys's turn right then in this one you can hide in a, a lightning bunker but the wind might blow you out of the lightning bunker and there's nothing you can do about that and so it was just frustrating because I, re- I remember a turn where i i specifically was hiding and got blown out and then before my turn came around, I got struck by lightning and died. So that was the end. Yeah, it's hard to win those games. They are, yeah, they are challenging, and that's cooperative games should be because you're playing against the game and working as a team. Did you sell that game or trade it? I traded it. I wanted. It's funny because when I was looking up the games that we've gotten rid of, I want to say I traded maybe. Forbidden Sky and Kokoro for, I think, Villainous and another game. And then I traded Villainous. And then, yeah, there was like a chain of like, I traded a game to get a game and then I traded that game. (laughs) But it's interesting. But, so the next question I have is, have I ever gotten rid of a game or traded or sold a game that surprised you that I got rid of? surprised me yeah you can say no it's just a question right now the only one I can think of because I I think you backed it on Kickstarter but I'm not sure is Suburbia Suburbia I didn't back it they had this like collector's edition on Kickstarter Shortly, it was around the time I got it, but it was like, I think over a hundred dollars to back it. So I was like, never played it. It looks cool, but I don't know. And so I got it in a trade, and we played it. And I don't know. It just kind of fell flat. Like, I honestly don't remember the experience. I know we played it. I do 
remember you getting it out and laying it out, but I don't remember how it felt playing it. I don't recall any details about how to play. <laughs> so it didn't leave a very lasting impression. impression on me. It's It felt similar to... I don't know. Maybe it's... I mean, it's sort of like you're building your own little city. I remember the hexagons. Kind of building each area of your city. I think I got rid of it because we had tiny towns. And I know it's they're not the exact same. But tiny towns, the building score points depending on what's around them in your town. And that's the same thing with suburbia. But tiny towns is way cuter. It's cuter, the components are better, and Suburbia had this complex population thing, too, which, it, it's fine, like, it's, I didn't think it was too complex, but it was just, it made the game a little bit longer than what I would want to play. Yeah, clearly, I don't recall nearly enough <laughs> about it, so I don't miss it. Yeah. The only other one I was thinking of that you got rid of that did surprise me was the one with all the fire and the pirates. There was a boat. Yep. Um, That is Dead Man Tell No Tales. And that's probably the only one I kind of have like a a twinge of regret. I traded it. But in the trade, I went back and looked because I was like, what did I trade that for? And I traded it for Terraforming Mars. Oh, well then you did good. Yeah, I think I did good. (laughs) But... um, but yeah, it's it was one because it it had a lot of cool components and it was kind of like your tight your you it's a cooperative game. You're a band of pirates and you're going on this haunted pirate ship that's that you've caught on fire somehow, and you're trying to get treasure out of it. And you're you're basically you don't know the layout of the pirate ship, so as you're like going from room to room, you're laying out a tile to represent that, and so it kind of you're building the pirate ship as you go. It was, I mean, it wasn't a bad game. It was. It really reminded me of Betrayal of House on the Hill, which yeah. is another one that we traded. Yeah, that's another one, too, which I, I traded it because I, I think I saw that the Legacy game was coming out, which that's, and that's a good one, too, is Betrayal. I forgot about that one. I didn't know. I didn't put that one on my list. I'd be fine if we ever decided to get that one again and maybe get the Legacy version, give it another well, try. Well... There's a Scooby-Doo version coming out this year. Is that different than Haunted Mansion? E- yes, maybe. So there's, there's like so two? There's two Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo games coming out this year. There's like an escape room type one. Okay. And then there's one that's based on Betrayal at House on the Hill. That would be actually really cool. Yeah. So I think, I think the Scooby-Doo one will probably make its way to our shelf. Hopefully it'll stay too because I like some Scooby-Doo yeah I think that'd be a fun one and it'll, it would go if we get the Haunted Mansion game too hopefully it'll be better than Disney Jungle Cruise yes hopefully so then we Gosh. can add some Haunted House themed games to the shelf because we don't have any anymore yeah so but those of games that have left our shelf and like I said a lot of these games they're good games but they just, they either didn't resonate with us or we had another game that did it better or did it better for us. That we were going to be more likely to play, so it just didn't make sense to keep them. Yeah. And that's really, that's really it. Here we go. We appreciate everybody listening to us. 
I know we kind of rambled on this episode a little longer than we intended, but thanks again. We hope you enjoyed our recent plays for the week, as well as games that left the shelf. If you want to see the pictures of the games we're playing pretty much every day these days, follow us at a couple games 2014 on Instagram. If you ever want to email us with questions or suggestions about topics for the future, then our email is a couple games 2014 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And please join us next week for another episode. But until then, I'm Zach. And I'm Michelle. And this has been A Couple Games.